same old trouble villains always knocking at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the Thank you, Vandello, and welcome once again to Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fury, and with me is um, my Loki, my, my mask. Oh, I was going to say, wait, which episode are we doing? My Swing Revival. Swing Revival. <laughs> it's fair. Oh. And, uh, and with us, as always, the lovely and talented are uh, 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 Cameron Diaz. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> G baby, ain't I good to you? The Baronessa, Ms. Jennifer Howland. Thank you, Bear. And it's my distinct pleasure, as usual, to introduce our guest. Today, we are graced with the presence of Mr. Jim Shop. Thank you for being with us, Jim. I'm a guest. Hi. Hey. Hi. Jim, 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 the, uh, the man that we were going through this season, and we were like, so the mask is coming up. Oh, my God, we should get Jim. Uh, Hold on. I, I have a parrot singing SpongeBob SquarePants in my head. Hold on. There we go. Howdy. There we go. I mean, that would fit for our, our cartoonish like episode. Yeah. Yes, it's true. It, it does fit for the mask episode. So uh, can we put the mask on the parrot? Probably. It went on a dog. It's true. Yeah. Uh, so, Jim, <laughs> this is your first time on uh, a graphically novel production, and it is tradition here that we ask uh, you to give us a little background in your history of comics. Um, are they a big part of your life? Are they, you know, something that you've left behind? Or where are you with comics? Once a year, I spend about a full week just immersing. Um, I get every issue of everything that I want. I just kind of do it while on vacation. Haven't done it in a while, um, but this was nice. I got to I got to read up on some stuff and watch a movie that uh, well we're going to talk about. Yeah, we we're, sure we're gonna talk are. about it. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so, do, when did you start uh, reading comics? Oh, geez, when I was in fourth grade, there was a neighborhood comic book store uh, on my way home, and I used to stop in there all the time and. Uh, the guy ran the comic book store and that made money with the, uh, the hairdresser store next door. That was his main operation, but I'd go in and learn about everything and read everything. And he didn't make me pay that much. So I got, uh, I got to just kind of read in the shop and, and stay a bit until parents got home and then I'd run home, be late and get in trouble for it. That's awesome. Yeah, um, that's also vaguely familiar. Yeah. Well, I've heard that before. But that's that's funny. I'm now thinking about the relationship of like barber shops or hair salons and comics because obviously there's in in Cedar Falls there's the uh, limited edition which is started as a hair salon and then they just put in a comic book store into their spare space. But then you're telling me that the same guy owned owned the hair salon next door. Um, and my introduction to comics actually going back was at Jim's Barbershop here in Cedar Rapids where he had like, just like 1960s Fantastic Four and a couple of Avengers comics and stuff like laid out. And I mean, those same comics had been there the 10 years that I was going to that barbershop. So yeah, I had them pretty much memorized. Keep the kids busy and... Yeah. Right. Um, but that's that's funny. I, I've never thought of how many intersections between hair salons or, or barbershops and comics there would be. Um, being a nerd was not as profitable or as accepted as it currently is now. It's it, true. it used to be kind of a thing you did on the side. So he had to make money, and that's how he did. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, so we are here today to talk about The Mask, uh, both the 1991 comic and the 1994 movie. Uh, Jim, that close together? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Jim, how long had it been since you had watched The Mask? 1995. Okay. <laughs> With good reason. Yeah. <laughs> so 26 I, years. I remember liking it. I, I, remember, I remember fondly liking it. You guys really ruined something of my past. I, I should not have watched this again. Yeah, this is not the first time that we've run into this issue. Yes. Because uh, in 95, I didn't know what the term incel was. I didn't know what the uh, term fanfic was. I, I didn't know a lot of this. And now, yeah. We didn't know exactly how problematic Pepe Le Pew was. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. 
Uh, Bear, how long had it been since you had watched The Mask? You know, I don't think I ever saw that movie all the way through when it came out, because that was that was after Ace Ventura. Yep. And I'd seen Ace Ventura. Was that after The Cable Guy? No, Cable Guy was shortly after this. Okay, because I remember seeing... Yeah, this was his first, like, big payday, I think. Ace Ventura introduced people. It was a huge payday, but it introduced people... And then this was, yes, they rewrote the script for The Mask based on what he had done on Ace Ventura. And, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it I mean, this role. But let's be fair, you couldn't have picked a better actor for a movie like this than Jim Carrey. There is, there is in fact, a whole section of The D that talks about how... The D. <laughs> how, um, Thank you, the, Jason. The special effects people, like, actually tallied and calculated how much money they saved... By casting Jim Carrey because they had to do less manipulation of the main character because he could just make his face do things right well in his body yeah he's very elastic yes but yeah I, I never I never watched the movie all the way there when I watched it for the episode was the first time that I ever actually watched sat down and watched it straight through and You're I was welcome. like yeah yeah that was a that was a reason why I didn't like I had seen Ace Ventura and I watched them like I remember watching trailers for the mask and everybody's like oh my god you gotta watch the mask and i remember like walking into parties and stuff like that like in college or something like that it's like that's the the mask is on and i'm like oh great well i'm gonna sit over here in the corner and drink and talk to a girl because oh my god jen how long had it been since you had watched the mask um i'm not sure i think that it was something that was being played at a kid birthday party when my children were smaller. And I do remember pretty sure it was probably Ashley being like, I do not like this. Absolutely this is, terrified this of is it. scaring me. I don't like it. So yeah, it's been a while. I, um, I didn't like it. I know. I didn't like it the first time I saw it. I, I, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's so problematic. It's so so problematic. So it had, uh it's actually only probably been a couple years since I watched The Mask and and I started to as I get older and more uh involved uh in my own background and understanding of things, I have noticed the problematic aspects of which there are many. Uh this is the first time that I noticed that uh Cameron Diaz's boobs uh debut for like a shot like an actual like camera stops shot for like two seconds before yep. her face is mm -hmm. and considering this is her first ever movie her her boobs debuted a full two seconds before her face did. yeah that's a thing that happened yeah um but i mean i still i i hold an affinity for this movie and it's i know how much of it is nostalgia um i have a cousin who is about 10 years younger than i am and he grew up with will ferrell i can't do most will ferrell stuff but I can do, um, you know, uh, Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler movies and those kind of things. But I understand how people of a certain age that is not that very key demographic when that stuff was happening, under, you know, would be like, no. Or a woman. Or, or yeah. women, yeah. There's just a whole lot of, uh, like, I mean, you always see the actors as they slowly transition away from SNL and start doing their own movies and there's never really been a whole lot of them that i've really followed like maybe as they evolved more as actors like in the beginning yeah jim carrey was hilarious i loved ace ventura um i didn't see this one i didn't i think i might have watched the second ace ventura i know i watched the cable guy and i was just like yeah, it's not bad but we're just kind of doing more of the same it um, wasn't really until the truman show that he started to get a little more like balancing his complete and utter wacky. Starting to develop some range. Yeah. Um, breaking out of his. You guys, you know. do you know, do you realize like the movies he was in in the 80s? He was in a bunch of really big movies. Yeah, I know like Once Bitten. Once Bitten, uh, Peggy Sue Got Married, The Deadpool, uh, Earth Girls Are Easy. Earth Girls Are Easy, I knew that one. Pink Cadillac. No, I've never watched any of those. You ever watch Earth Girls Are Easy? I, you know what? I probably saw that at some point in time, but that was probably another like 
college thing where people were like, you need to see this show. It's, it's this You're movie is hilarious. You're too young. Yes. Well, Earth Girls Are Easy Girl is also, I believe, why a lot of people have the Jeff Goldblum is really hot thing. Uh, because he is portrayed as a sex symbol in that movie. And it's weird. It's weird. I always thought it weird. I, honestly, I didn't come back around to Jim Carrey until, I mean, Truman Show was good, but it was really um, Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind. Yep. And 13, when I was just like, oh, look, he can do other things besides comedy. Man on the, Man moon. On the moon. Man on the Moon was yeah. amazing. Uh, Jim- was Liar Liar before? Liar the, Liar. Uh, I want to say it's... Liar it's Liar was later. in 97. Okay. So that was so, before Truman Show? Uh, yes. Yeah. Truman Show was So 98. that might have been, I think for me, that might have been the one where he kind of started to balance it a little bit. Right. Kind of kind of more the, yeah, because Liar Liar is still a comedy, but a lot more kind of drama aspects. Man, I haven't watched Liar Liar in forever. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through, which is fine. Yeah, just in case, I don't think I'm going to. I, I think you guys have, have definitely, when I, I'm not seeing Earth Girls Are Easy, I'm not going to rewatch anything I think of fondly ever again. Thank you very much. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, well, we, uh, we recently uh, released our episode on Sin City and 300, and if you have any... Don't please... you dare. Nope. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Frank Miller episode was uh, was an eye opener for Barry and I. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's dive a little bit more into why people have the feelings that they do because it's not just the wackiness. It is this is horribly misogynistic uh, movie, and in fact, it retroactively goes back and ruins the cartoons that it's based off of. Yeah. Well, I, I think that one of the things in both the the graphic novel and the movie, the thing that just like there, it's a huge disconnect in my mind where Stanley Ipkiss is supposedly this really good guy, this really sweet guy. And then, you know, everyone is willing to excuse everything he does when he has the mask on because that's not him. Right. And I love that they even throw in the psychiatrist who has written a book about the masks we wear. And, you know, it's just, I think that that's hilarious, but I, I just, you know, it's like, why does he still get to be the protagonist? Presented by, you know, holy uh, unwatchable person, Ben Stein. Does he get to know anything about <laughs> Ben Stein? Uh, but yeah, uh, there were patches that are rough, um, but I think the worst is when Stanley doesn't have the mask in his acting. Yeah, like because these are supposed to be nice guy things, but these are 1994 nice guy things, mm-hmm. which like like Jim was saying, you know, before we knew what the word incel meant. Right. Um, you know, because he's like getting tickets for somebody and then just gives them to her. But then like him and his buddy are like, you're wearing her down. Like, yeah, that's that's not. Yeah. Okay. The first line of him interacting with a woman was eventually I'll wear her down. It's yes. just like it. Uh, I will say seeing Richard Jenny made me sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah R.I.P. Um, you know, one of those one of those actors that popped up in a bunch of things. Uh, oh, he was huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then suicide, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, we are we are super down. Yay! On... <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jim Carrey. You invited me. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's... but you're not the one bringing us down. We're no. not blaming you. We're blaming Jim Carrey. We're right. blaming the '90s. Yeah, yeah. We're blaming the. We're 90s. blaming the '90s because yeah. that was the whole thing. That was that was huge in the late '90s. Was mid mid and late '90s was the ultra violent movies, the explosions, the you know the wanton killing was like pretty much every movie that ever came out. Well, not every movie, but like so but, many of the big, but, yeah. big name movies. That and came the out. '90s was like, oh yeah, let's let's do ultra violence. With our beloved con- cartoons, right? Let's mix it. I mean, how many we who framed Roger Rabbit? Okay, that one wasn't as that one was so much better because it was violent, but not violent, right. violent. Um, well, I mean, that felt kind of like this movie. Yeah. Yes, it did. It felt very Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I agree. Very wily yeah, coyote. But I, 
I feel like also after reading, the, I did a refresher on the on the comic too, and reading the comic, it's like they replaced the ultra violence with more misogyny and more odd, odd over sexualization and things like that. The comic didn't really have any. I mean, a little bit of sexualization, but not much. And the movie just went full tilt. But the violence, because I did not realize how violent that comic was. Right. I mean, in in any way, if you were to do this, the the movie like sticking close to the comic would have been rated R. Um, there is oh, there's easily. A, a lot, a lot of violence and blood and. But not, you're right, not as much sexuality, not as much, like, I can't even think of a, there were, there was, like, a couple off-the-wall comments about, basically, like, him just with, with the mask on, but in disguise, like, calling his girlfriend names. Oh, yeah, know, no, and, like, Stanley himself Sam, was a dickhead yeah. in the comic. Like, he wasn't a good guy before they started. Yeah. Um, but basically, once you got it away from Ipkiss, there was almost no sexual like there was no no in the, yeah. in the comic it was the weird yeah. the, the choices comic, yeah it was weird the choices they made when they convert because usually it goes the other way you take out sex and you take out you know cursing and things and in the movie it was like they they doubled down on things that now would would definitely make it more r-rated yeah, whereas the totally comic i mean into it. violence yeah violence it's it's weird but we kind of accept violence yeah yeah which is strange uh yeah this i don't know this this comic uh and you know we'll we'll keep the iron curtain uh over the comic but yeah spoiler spoiler uh free for comics for comics but unless like i was going to say i did like how in the movie they kind of took the the dual mask storylines from the comic and kind mm. of blended that into this one character. Yeah, um, it was it was interesting. This is the first time I'd read the comic and um, I don't know, I, I had to put myself back in a frame of mind for I I probably would have the same nostalgia for this that I have for like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar feel to me, you know, lots of violence for violence's sake and um in both cases it's kind of a a fuckboy fantasy like right well that's what i was going to say it's not necessarily it's not (laughs) not really violence for violence sake it's like i've been like the world hasn't treated me fair i'm a man that the world has not treated fair it's it's revenge porn yeah exactly yeah Exactly. Well, in in that first storyline, and then the second one, it's like, you know, like, I have this very twisted idea of what is right, what justice, and what justice is, and therefore, I'm gonna make the world a better place, but not really. It reminded me very much of that era Punisher. It's where it just took me right back to that kind of vigilante, bad guy, good guy, thing but almost as if they did a what if it was a cartoon it, it was just kind of weird yeah. what if we mixed in a little wily e. coyote yeah yeah i very that yeah little red riding hood's max flesher is that the name of the cartoon um artist that did the little red riding hood and the wolf Oh, with the Aougas. Yeah, I yes. think so. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was trying to think, what Little Red yeah. White Riding Hood? Yeah. Yeah, yes, because in that, yeah, in that original Little Red Riding Hood's on the stage scene. Yeah, that's Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, you want to you wanna bring sexualization into, co- into cartoons. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was <clears throat> Bugs Bunny, all of that from, you know, like the 40s, I think. Yeah. So, but then, you know, cartoons weren't geared towards kids at that point either no, those no. were not intended for children right those were intended for adults so um doing my research uh i found another piece of the 90s that we talked about a little earlier and that is uh the swing revival movement that mm-hmm. this movie like was in the thick of um the band that actually plays at the coco bongo club is the royal crown review which is like them and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy are credited with, you know, starting in the late uh, 80s to get the whole swing revival movement done. And I thought that was interesting because in a movie like this, like, 
you've decided that you're going to add the swing element really into so much, like so much of this movie, um, to match the 40s cartoons mm-hmm. and the, you know, what, you know. Yeah, it really lined up well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, this is another movie kind of like when we talked about the spirit where it's like, this could really be amalgamous until you start seeing things like the cars and the, you know, but even the cars that show up are older cars. Some of them. Some of them. Yeah. Um, you know, and he mentions, you know, you bring in a Porsche, but yeah. it doesn't show any Porsches. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, you know. Well, and there's reference to his car, which is an 84 Honda Civic. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Again, doesn't appear yeah. on screen. Right. Um, but I think the Porsche did. The Porsche did appear on screen in a in flashback fan- scene. Yeah, in a oh, fantasy. Yeah. You're right. Yep. You're right. Yeah. Um, but same thing. And it struck screen. me how odd that was that it almost broke the, especially mm. in a fantasy scene, it broke the theme in a weird way. Yeah. Um, well, we, we had talked about that when we talked about the spirit because it's very noir, very, you know, dark and, and everything. But then there are cell phones. Um, right, yeah. and, but the cell phone somehow is put into the scene that it doesn't break yeah. what you're watching. The mask definitely had some points where I'm like, is it? Oh, yeah, right. This is modern. It's just everything that is done in this is 40s. Um, like even him living in his apartment, you know, with the landlady down the hall. And, you know, that can be any time period. It's yeah. not like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like what you see for an apartment now where it's you know, the manager is somebody that just comes in, you know, eight to five and does not live there. <laughs> yeah. And even though it was, you know, it, it, it was in Edge City, they made it very New York centric from the they, stereotypes of the gangsters to the just everything had that very New Yorky vibe. I'm always amused with that view of New York because I grew up watching the Ninja Turtles cartoon. <laughs> and, uh-huh. it's, and it's always like, you know, the punks have mohawks and they carry chains yeah, yeah. around. And like, I'm like, what kind of West Side Story bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, chains, chains cheap. You know, chain, is cheap. chain is cheap. True. But um, you know exactly what it is, though. It's kind of like this completely misplaced off representation has become the representation you could show that to someone that's never been here it never been to new york and they would they would kind of know it'd be like it, it's just synonymous with and i wonder you know i wonder where that came from because i'm not as familiar with all this but i'm wondering how much the warriors had to do with that in the late 70s oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah and Is i'm that not just- re-watching that one either <laughs> can you dig it oh i love that they even made a video game of that movie and i played the crud out of it i i love that movie and i know i probably should not love that movie well i mean there's a certain point where you go back on anything and there's gonna be problematic and your brain just goes wow this didn't age well yeah much we're, like myself. <laughs> we're doing Mystery Men soon, so I just want to point out and get us ready for yeah. what this is going to be. This was the warm-up to Mystery Men? Oh, jeez. Well, yeah. I mean, and, you know, full, full spoiler there, I didn't like Mystery Men when it came out. So, we'll see. I actually did like Mystery Men when yeah. it came out. So I we'll wanted see. to like it, and then I had... Ben Stiller, yeah, was another one. ben Stiller was another one that I put in the ca- Ben Stein's son, you know. Is it? Yes. No, he's not. Isn't he? No. Yeah. No, he's Jerry Stiller. Jerry son. Stiller, yeah, okay. Jerry Stiller didn't do nothing like Ben Stiller, Ben Stein did. Uh, so the music, I brought up the music because I want to talk about, like, I thought it added to the movie, but I like Revival Swing. <laughs> so I guess that, you know, that in the theme, despite kind of some of the, the parts that were problematic, um, Jen, we got done with it, and you were like, that may not be the Jim Carrey movie I hate the most. <laughs> well, that's true, but that's not a that's not necessarily a kudos to the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim was ruined for this movie. <laughs> did did your estimation go up at all with this viewing? No. Okay. I just I just remember you saying you didn't hate it as much as you thought you I well, no, I didn't hate it as much as I remember hating it. I really don't like it still. Right. But, you know. Didn't they make a sequel? I could have swore they made a sequel. Well, okay. So, yes, they made 
Uh, there was originally going to be The Mask 2, mm-hmm. because this was super successful. Uh, but Jim Carrey said he wouldn't come back and reprise the So those uh, ideas fell to the side, except they made a Mask Saturday morning cartoon show for two That's years. That's what it was. And then... Didn't they do later, a movie? Son yes, of Mask or something? Yes, they yeah. did do Son of Mask later, which had Jamie Kennedy in it. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank God we didn't have to watch that. Yeah. Which, Why didn't they just do one with the dog? That would have been fine. That would have been hilarious. I think the dog, or a dog, as like right. a lot of roles in Son of Mask. The dog showed up in the uh, cartoon. I remember that because it follows Stanley uh, further in the cartoon. I just have visions of like if, if if we take the the dog getting the mask in the movie and the cartoon and put it into the same type of writing that happened in the actual comic book suddenly my brain like I, I get an equation in my head and i see dog with mask in movie dog with mask in comic book format and you know with a plus sign and then there's an equal sign and i see uh ultimate avengers hulk yeah and i'm just like mm, he's gonna hump some legs he's gonna pee on some things it's gonna get real ugly i was just thinking like an animated Cujo. Oof. Oof. Yeah. So. Ugly. Um, any other things to say about, like, I have been all the way through my notes. People are very, uh, very quiet today, so. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I have this weird, I, I don't know, I don't know which one I can say is better. You, you told me right before I, because I didn't read it until right before we did the episode, and you were like, yeah, arguably, I, I think the comic was worse than the, the movie. And I was just like, really? I was not hoping that was what you were going to say. And I sat down and read it, and I honestly don't know which one I could say is better and which one I could say is worse. Um, they are very, very different from one another. Sorry, yeah, I ahead, think Jim. the comic fit that genre of Dark Horse, because it was Dark Horse comic, it was the indie comics, it was, I mean, kind of dime a dozen, wasn't it? I mean, back then, there were so many things kind of like that so out in left field super violent super just killing characters and leaving things and just it felt that was kind of in the norm whereas the movie other than roger rabbit i can't think of much that kind of went that and a lot of the choices they made were so weird to me that because that was also around the time where there were some hyper-violent movies and they could have made a animated hyper-violent movie, but they did the weird hyper-sexualized instead. Yeah. And that just always struck me as weird. The only other one other than Who Framed Roger Rabbit and on the other side of the spectrum and arguably much worse than this movie would be Cool World. Oof. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is literally about a cartoon wanting to fuck her way into the real world. Yeah. That... Lovely. I, I... God, I remember, that, was rough, that was the 90s, too. Oh, yeah. God, yes, it yes. was. I, I distinctly remember watching that movie several times in the 90s and thinking that was a really great movie, and I don't want to go back and watch that now because just in my head, <laughs> thinking about it, going, oh, yeah, there was this, and then there was that, and I was like, oh, this is this whole memory is just starting to it's turn awful. Yeah, it's not good. And the more I think of it, I'm not even watching it, and like it's just going to get worse in my own head. Yep. I kind of feel like you have to. I feel like there's some payback coming, and you ruined something <laughs> mine. So I, I feel like this is a a, a mandatory thing. All right, Jim, sorry, but I think you got to watch it. Whose vote was it to put this one on the list? <laughs> I think this was one of those we have to do some that none of us are excited about. Right, yeah. This is one of them. Well, so in in my cartoon-watching history, the first not intended for children cartoon I saw, and I saw it at a very young age, sorry, mom, was Fritz the Cat. It's an X-rated oh, cartoon. Okay. And cat. yeah, well, he does some really big, he, talk about misogyny. Um, but so even that didn't, like I, and I've rewatched it as an adult, even that didn't seem as bad. <laughs> <laughs> as cool world no, you, especially the mask you know it was not ma- it wasn't even rated r so right it didn't Fritz the cat you knew what it was and yes you, no one was surprised i mean no one was yeah. surprised you saw that thing coming yeah you it knew was what a, that yeah. was Ooh, it was on the tin but, it was on the tin <laughs> the contents yeah, but, were but on cool the tin. world yeah. or mask or it, it, it just 
it came out of left field. It was yeah. very, yeah, it just didn't, they, they kind of, it was like, you know, Halloween candy and it's one of those, it's brightly wrapped and it looks all pretty and then you open it up and it's one of those weird nougat things. <laughs> and you're like, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> oh, somebody. Oh, I'm still going to eat the damn thing because it's, it, you know. Right. Oh my I mean, God. Yeah, like, there is some redeeming value if you want to actually break it down and analyze it because we can start looking at the whole, like, what do you do when you are handed pretty much unlimited power? Like, you suddenly you just put on this mask and you're a superhero. You're indestructible. You can pull stuff out of thin air. You have cartoon physics. Uh, but then you find out that, you know, the mask that you put on has a will of its own and just wants you to kill shit. Like, well, but I also noticed that one of the only parts that was ported over from the comic to the movie was when Stanley first realizes what the mask can do and says, oh, I have all this power. I could be a superhero. But first. But first. And then he goes and like, starts my revenge stuff, porn. And he never gets back to the superhero part, right. you know. Uh Arguably. And the, the frame by frame balloon animal scene. There was there was oh, a little man. for like one page. They brought that in right. perfectly. Same animals, right. Tommy Gun, whole thing. It yes. was like why? Well, but I and I actually liked it better in the movie because the yeah, gang agreed. that he's he's performing for is actually really getting into it, and they're so excited about balloon animals yeah. rather than being like, oh. Which if I, were, if I were a street thug, I would be somewhat amused, like, oh, wow, he made me a poodle. Yeah. If you were a street Somebody. thug, we have to go back to the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. I got to make a stop to the, at the hardware store first. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I... A little of this has diminished for me, just because every time I kind of watch this, I'm like, oh, there are more. That's not okay. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, Molly Ringwald wrote uh, an editorial piece about watching Candles with her 15-year-old daughter. Oh, oof. Yeah, oh, why wanted... would she do that? Well, because her daughter wanted to watch what she did. She's like, okay, and she hadn't watched oh. it in years, and she basically wrote about how her daughter was like, ooh, um... Hey, mom. <laughs> this is not a my room was like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I will say there is some redemption in it that the the quality of it, surprisingly, I mean, just the technical aspect, how they did it, how they merged it, how they, the special effects, they weren't, especially for that time, Yeah, they were not that bad. They were given what they were given, but how they produced it, I can understand why it was popular. I can understand why no one had seen anything like that. If you take out the context, which most Americans do, (laughs) you know, most of us don't. We we like the shiny packaging and we kind of like watching things in snippets. So from a snippet perspective, I, I get it. I, I understand how it became this like force of nature thing. Right. Well, I understand this one a lot more than the third. Okay, so in 1994, Ace Ventura came out, The Mask came out, and so did Dumb and Dumber. And I, I still haven't seen Dumb and Dumber. I watched it when I was in high school, like a bunch, because my one of my best friends loved Jim Carrey and loved Dumb and Dumber, but like. That was definitely one of the first, like, as I got older, I was like, oh, no, drop that. And then when they made, like, the new one, like, less than 10 years ago, I was like, why? Yeah. Why? Um, that, Jim Carrey, is probably why I also can't really do Will Ferrell either in a lot of stuff. It's the you know, intentionally obtuse, um, whereas it, both Ace Ventura and The Mask, I mean, the, the guys are, to a certain extent, dumb or gullible or whatever, but they're not placed in a situation where they're intentionally, painfully stupid. Right. Um, there was also the Tom Arnold movie, The Stupids, which was an entire family of people that even were heard of that. Oh, that just either. sounds dumb. It, yeah, it was bad. Um, but I mean, that's just, I, I still just, you know, I have that nostalgia moment where I'm just like, we're, we're talking about all this stuff and this is supposed to be comedy and humor. And I'm just like, but what happened to Frazier? <laughs> It's coming back. Yeah. What happened it is Frazier. coming back. Well, you know, it's funny because um, in the early 90s, there I had a group of friends and we watched a lot of movies, um, you know, second once they were on deep, or right. at, at the time, VHS. 
Um, and about the same time Ford Fairlane came out and talk about did not age well. Started the Dice Man. Okay, yeah. anything with Andrew Dice Clay yeah. was, was aged out by the time it came out. Like Right. But we were like I even though that was so terrible, I enjoyed that more than I did Ace Ventura. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is until he got into some serious roles, I was not a fan of Jeff. And I think every I'm not gonna say every generation, every specific like group now, depending on on kind of the time, has that actor because you know, um, well, Farrell's a good example. Steve Carell's a good example. Um, but going even further back, Andrew Dice Clay is a good example. You know, Andrew Dice Clay was not something I should have been listening to when I was listening to Andrew Dice Clay, and I thought it was the most hilarious thing to the point that. Uh, my friend Dan and I still have most of the nursery rhymes memorized. Oh, don't. Please don't. It was running through my head, and then you said it, and I was just like, don't say that out loud. No, 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 and then, no, 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 none of it will be said out loud, because they're horrible. Yeah, but they're awful. Yeah, it's also, you know, that time period. Um, well, and it was, it was that time period. We were all in our, in my friend group, we were all in our early 20s, mm-hmm. And I was like the token woman. Like I hung out with dudes. I always hung out with dudes. Yeah, gee, I wouldn't expect you'd that. Never, you'd never, never expect, expect that, that right? You're here on this podcast. Yeah. And uh, so like when that came up, I thought it was hysterical too, because, you know, it's like, oh, this dude is like, yeah, whatever. He's saying all these things, but no, nobody's going to take him seriously. And so. And some people did. That's I the know. thing. Well, that's, yeah, yeah that's. Yep. A- Yep. Yeah. They didn't understand that at the time, Andrew Dice Clay walking out on stage was a character like Larry the Cable Guy is a character. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, like the we were watching the, was it you? It was, or at least showed me the preview of the roast. And it's like, this is the first time we've ever actually roasted a fictional character. Oh, yeah. And it's Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, yeah. And, and I had to look it up because I tried to, I would, for some reason, I blanked on Lenny Bruce's name, but I mean, even going back, Lenny Bruce. Yeah. You know, uh, my my dad is of a is of a generation that's like, oh my God, Lenny Bruce. You know, and but, and getting uh, I, into I, it, I don't think I ever got that far into Lenny Bruce because of that. I don't think that you can compare Lenny Bruce to Andrew Dice Clay. No, I, Lenny I, Bruce was saying the things he said to push boundaries. He was not saying. I think it he was saying be, it out of anger. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't, truly, I, I remember I there was something, what was it? There was something that I read that he actually, he was a well-regarded yes. comedian yes. within the, the realms of comedy. He yeah. did the um, structured jokes. I mean, someone, I forget, there was some interview I was listening to, and they, he was a structured joke teller, really good. Yes. But he started not, I mean, things started, he just, wasn't having the career he wanted and his anger had him cursing and the cursing got him censored and got him shut down. And he did it more and more and more as kind of this, you can't tell me what to say. And then the more he got shut down, the more angry he got, the more popular he got. Yeah. There's actually a fantastic example, like kind of example weaved into the first couple. So the fabulous, marvelous. Maisel. Yeah. Mrs. Maisel. I still Um, haven't seen that. Oh, it's very so good. good. Lenny Bruce is a character in it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's really well done because it talks about a lot of. Well, it talks about yeah, that. it talks about stand up in yeah. the was it is it in the early sixties? Yeah. yeah, in the early sixties, like late fifties, early sixties, and what it was like, you know, and what what was going on in the world at that time. So pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, and yeah, one of my favorite Lenny Bruce stories is. George Carlin, young George Carlin, went to see him in one of his acts. He was getting arrested. George Carlin did everything he could to be arrested and get in the same car as Lenny Bruce. And when he told Lenny that in the back of a police car, Lenny Bruce was like, what are you, a schmuck? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that also goes to George Carlin's comedy style, which was very reminiscent of Bruce. Another another person that I would put in that same list of, because right. if you are not from that specific generation or exposed to that at a certain age, I, I, I don't think it has as much. Because their their whole style was, you know, trying to push boundaries and, and tell, you know, like, spit truth to power. 
as opposed to Andrew Dice Clay, who's just up there. It's just like, I'm just here for the dirtiest, raunchiest laugh I can get. Yeah. Well, yes. and But that was his point. He was he was satirizing toxic masculinity before we had a name for toxic masculinity. True. But the problem is that people started to follow. Started yeah. to emulate him. Right. Exactly. And, and exactly. Uh, uh, there's been a couple of different documentaries on him that I've watched. And that's why he stopped. He was like, no. He's like, I can't. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. People like, think this is what I believe. Right. Not what I'm satirizing. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, super interesting to me that um, there are these pockets, you know? Yeah. You know, I've I mentioned Adam Sandler as well. Like, and Adam Sandler's comedy at the very beginning was like that type that I normally would hate of I'm, I'm the idiot in the room. But like Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, I mean, I still can watch this. If I had watched them five well, years What was later? that last comedy that he did that he got cut tons of flack for because he was like, it, was, it wasn't that long ago. It was within the last... Hoobie Halloween? No, it was the, within the last like five or ten years. Like he was making fun of Native Americans and, and... Oh, was it one of the... It was one of the Netflix ones? Yeah, it was, it was not Once Upon it a was Time the in the But yeah, like... Uh, Eight something or yeah yeah it, yeah, was, yeah it was a western that he did and remember he caught tons oh of yeah it was right around the same time as Tarantino's uh, yeah. thing it was the hateful eight and it was something yeah with yes, a number it was the hateful eight hateful yeah. eight um yes because they actually had like references to Django and a lot of the same movies mm-hmm. in it and in fact uh Jamie Fox was Django yeah Jamie Fox mm-hmm. was supposed to show up in hateful eight as a cameo. And then didn't. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. Just it, it, comedy in general is weird. Yeah, his was ridiculous. Six was the Netflix there you one. Go. It was yeah. Um, and you know when I talk about my cousin that was ten years younger, um, the other thing he loved was Napoleon Dynamite. I just couldn't. Okay, oh, loved that I movie. Le- I literally finished that movie. I don't remember who showed it to me. It was you erased it from your memory. Uh, and I'm uh, of well, all I remember is that movie. The credits started rolling, and I turned and looked at whoever it was that showed that to me, and I said, "I want that time, the, that hour and a half of my <laughs> life, or whatever the hell it was." That I movie want that, was not for you guys. That ninety was, minutes no, of my you. life no. back. Yeah, uh, I was upset. <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I would also place like like we're dealing with here the mask a lot of the 90s the mask uh billy madison happy gilmore the water boy um ace ventura all of those i would kind of put into oh even going into the farley movies so like black sheep and tommy boy um a lot of that is a comedy style of a very specific period of time yeah like i don't think any of those would be done today for better or for worse you know um but if I had seen any of them, I don't know. Aren't they still making Super Trooper stuff? And they they have a lot of those shows from the cast of the Super Trooper, and that's true. I, I think that kind of still falls into it, doesn't it? I don't know. I think I almost think stoner movies are a different genre. Stoner movies are kind of ubiquitous. Okay. Yeah. Well, but you know, thinking about that type of humor, uh, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation movies. Mm-hmm are similar you know they're not quite as cartoony or larger than life but it's the same kind of um this dude is an idiot (laughs) and yeah and bad things happen those are generally now more direct to video though instead of like you know these were summer blockbusters you know uh but yeah i think that the time period of that i mean you you may still get those movies made or streamed or those kind of things because it's just there's so many other places to distribute and go to that but i don't think we're gonna see anything huge yeah you know like like these were in the same style i think the last even close to this type was all of the will ferrell stuff so like all the like talladega nights and new anchorman and all of that stuff stepbrother and stepbrother and right um and i may be wrong we may see a whole new something that I'm going to grumble like an old man about because I just don't get it. But, you know, this is the stuff that I got when I was younger. It's fading as I'm getting older, yeah. but my nostalgia is keeping it pretty close. Yeah, yeah, we get it. It's your dog. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, did you skid a cheetah? 
<laughs> Did you kill a cheetah? Okay. Uh, well, anything else? You know, I else? said that to my mom once. Did you kill a cheetah? <laughs> we were going to a wedding. She came walking out in this matching, like, you know, the urban, cam- the blue and white and black, like, urban camo color came out in that in a matching, like, uh, like button-down shirt and pants, but it was, it was that color, but it was in, like, tiger stripe all the way up and down. And she literally had to stand right beside my little brother, and she comes walking out of the house, and I hadn't seen what she was wearing yet, and I was like, what the fuck is that? Did you kill a cheetah? She was mad at me the rest of the day, and my little brother could not keep a straight face anytime he was within eyesight of my mom. Did you just airlift in from Jersey? <laughs> I mean, come on, that's South, South Dakota. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, it was. That's it was a pretty, pretty wild print for uh, South Dakota. Were you going to the no, it was a wedding. <laughs> he, he said a wedding. Was this in the nineties? It was. It was my cousin Robbie's wedding. Would have been. I was still in high school, so yeah, probably the nineties. <laughs> so as we go down memory lane, oh. Jim, is there anything else you wanted to say about the mask? Oh no. <laughs> fair very fair so uh we read one of uh well several volumes the omnibus that we have has two more volumes uh jim will you continue to read this comic um no <laughs> i'm sorry what we did to you yeah sorry jim no it's perfectly fine <laughs> no it's just <laughs> no probably not okay jen will you continue to read this comic no no <laughs> nope fair uh-huh. Listen, I, I read half of the 700 megabytes of this comic before I got and I fell asleep at around page 100. And I was just like, okay, gotta wake up, gotta wake up, stand up, walk around, eat a slice of pizza. Uh, okay, time to just skim. Yep, they're talking. Yep, okay, and then we got the mask on. Anything pertinent? Nope, more ultraviolence. Okay, and okay, done. mask is off. Okay, done. 50 pages later in like, 20 minutes i'm just like okay i didn't miss anything um like first 150 pages i was like no i'm, I'm good i know everything i need to know about this yeah. i do have something to say that i forgot to say is that unlike the movie there is a strong female character in the comics true that is consistent and actually who shows up about every 40 pages and actually she is one of the only women in this comic, it's true. They don't even portray women. Oh yeah, they don't at really all. Think about it. She's in any bit, other, it was a little bit like two guns, where like there were like two women and one was a waitress. Yeah. Yeah. The other one was the one woman pulling absolutely everything together. Yes. So sorry, I just no, no. To throw that's that in. that's that's interesting. You know, it's although thinking about it, there's only two in the movie. There's the reporter and there's uh, Cameron Diaz. And the co-worker that takes the tickets from him the very very first one shows up at the very beginning the landlady okay yeah there are a lot more women yeah i mean okay there was don't count her as a woman in the in the in the comic there was the teacher but other than that right no you're right jesus yeah yeah so um i am i am also not going to keep reading this comic uh I did not get the omnibus because the only version that I could find physically was like pretty expensive. And I was like, yeah, well, I found the, the file on Comixology. Check that out. And it was like 377 pages. It was no more than like six frames per page. It was a really fast read, but it was yeah. also super repetitive. Yeah. Yes, it's super repetitive, super yeah. violent. Um, you know, but if you are if you are a fan of comics like Johnny the Homicide Maniac, you know, or other like super violent comics um this would have to be in your collection i guess the version of um uh, i don't i don't think this like like johnny johnny more johnny reminds me more of the the more oddball goofball this didn't yeah it tried to have oddball but there wasn't a lot of oddball even though you talked about the teacher, even the teacher, the character had regrets about doing what he did to the teacher. Like right. he was like, should yeah. I, I, maybe I shouldn't have offed her. Yeah. There was this yeah. weird kind of like a dark edge where Johnny, 
I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to read it again because I don't want you ruining that too. <laughs> uh, Graphically novel where we ruin your life one story at a time. One memory at a time. <laughs> Which is weird. generation of it. Just leave the 90s alone. I can deal with ruining the aughts, but just leave, leave, leave my formative years alone. You would think ruining things one story at a time would be more of a theme for wreck conversations mm, um, mm-hmm. and not so much for graphically novel. But I mean, I'm, I'm going to give us bonus points, uh, <laughs> negative or positive, who knows, but bonus points. Negative 30 from house graphically novel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. This was, this has been fantastic. Uh, even though, uh, you know, you, you get a little bit into the mask and then you find there's not that much to talk about <laughs> uh but uh hopefully we have you back uh at some point we'll we'll find something else that hopefully will not ruin for you maybe something that you haven't seen or read uh and have you back on oh it wasn't that ruined yeah absolutely bring me back whenever you guys want fantastic thank you uh but until then take it away Mandela. Maybe it's wrong, maybe it's right, but you don't want to see my 